0: The Last of Us Factions 2 has moved from needing more time to being allegedly put on ice. This comes coupled with layoffs at Naughty Dog that could be related to the project. Many are now curious if this project is basically dead in the water or cancelled. And beyond that, what does this mean for Sony's live service push? There are reports coming in that Jim Ryan's push for live service was a difficult pivot for studios that are not accustomed to making games like that and additionally There are now people saying that things might not go the way that Jim Ryan wanted with his aspirations for a high number of live service games by 2026. So the question is, who is to blame? Why did this happen to factions? Is this one game in a long line of games that want to be live service that just aren't going to make the cut? Is this on Sony? Is this on Naughty Dog? Is this on Bungie. Now, I put all of the good information right here at the beginning so you don't have to go looking for it, because it's a longer video. I open the video with a monologue, and then I discuss it with the live audience. If you want to be here for these live shows, make sure you hit subscribe and the bell button so you don't miss them. So, The Last of Us Factions 2 has potentially been put on ice. In the wake of layoffs hitting various studios, Naughty Dog has had some of their own. While the layoffs aren't as high in number... As others, and they are just contractual workers, it is still worrying, and it's likely related to the potential indefinite suspension of the faction's project. This also is happening in the shadow of Jim Ryan retiring, and reports about his live service aspirations potentially not paying off in the way that he had hoped. So first, I want to look at what happened. We have layoffs, the game being put on ice. This is all allegedly from a report about this. Secondly, I want to look at Sony's live service Push. They have goals for a lot of games that at this point I do not see happening. We have reports of the pivot making studios uncomfortable or even struggling with it. And then Jim Ryan's retirement is possibly playing a role in a shift in strategy. Now, lastly, I want to ask the question who is to blame? I want to examine Naughty Dog's initial announcement in 2019 and then think about the live service push from Jim Ryan as well as the input from Bungie. And where that leaves us with The Last of Us Factions too, But not just that game, all the future PlayStation Live service efforts as well. So let's just look at what happened. So before we look at what is being claimed, I do need to say this, okay? I believe these reports that we're hearing. However, we currently only have one source for this information. At the time of writing this monologue and even now recording it, and doing it live i could not corroborate these claims with any other outlets or any other insiders i think that needs to be stated when you only have one source reporting it and we even sort of consider the source that this is coming from this could be a false smoke trail or it could be a simple restating of what many of us already presumed when it was initially reported by bloomberg earlier this year So, that's just kind of a disclaimer. I don't think these reports are, like, false. It's not that I'm saying these are not true. I think they are true, but when you only have one source, it could be a smoke-no-fire situation, right? Before we look at what happened, uh, I want to say this also, that last time Naughty Dog spoke out, they said something. We are not seeing that this time. Other than the laid-off employees basically tweeting and saying that they've been laid off, they are. We're not seeing higher ups tweet. We're not seeing Naughty Dog tweet. Any current employees, for that matter. I went and I looked. Nobody's talking about factions. Nobody's talking about. The layoffs. Now, that doesn't mean it didn't happen. I think the layoffs are clearly happening, but the status of factions has not been addressed like last time. So, according to Insider Gaming, quote, a new report from Ethan Koch at Kotaku has claimed that Naughty Dog, the studio behind the hit series The Last of Us, has laid off at least 25 employees. Now, you might understand my disclaimer at the start Kotaku's not exactly in the good graces of the gaming community. They are the only source for this, okay? I'm not trying to besmirch the outlet. I'm just saying not a lot of people have a whole lot of goodwill and trust for Kotaku. They're the only source reporting this. No other outlet is corroborating, and Jason Schreier hasn't said anything either. Now, he was formerly at Kotaku, so he might not have any interest in tweeting to help out the article and the topic, right? He's probably not trying to drive traffic to them. Makes perfectly good sense. Insider Gaming continues and says that speaking with its sources, Kotaku reports that the layoffs were down to the studio downsizing, and it appears that full-time staff have not been affected. Instead, the Outler reports that no severance is being offered for those currently being laid off, and employees are being pressured to remain quiet. Now, I saw Colin Moriarty comment on this. He was on BRAP. Basement Radio Arcade Podcast. Check out the episode. It was a great interview. Braff did a great job. Forte was on there. Love those guys. But check out that episode because Moriarty, uh, Colin spoke to this and he said, look, I I don't know why they're saying there was no severance given here. These were contractual workers. Contractual workers don't get severance. Okay, so I, I tend to agree with that take. I don't know why Kotaku's framing it in this way. It was 25 contractual workers who had their contracts cut short. That is a layoff. But these were not... Full time employees being laid off, and then just told, Yeah, you're not getting any severance. That can get into a bit of a legal mess if you try to do that. These were contractual workers. I'm not trying to take away or diminish the fact that they were laid off. Like, right? that's terrible. You never like seeing people laid off, but this is being framed in a strange way by Kotaku. Now, this could be why we're not really seeing any tweets. The last time there were tweets about this, there were people and employees saying, hey, let us cook, let us cook. There maybe be, they're being told, look, be quiet. Don't say anything this time. Because the last time this happened, their tweets led to a bunch of theory crafting and rumor mills and probably false trails on what is actually going on because nobody really knows and so they probably said listen you guys can't be talking about this this time layoffs are never a good thing but this does seem like a smaller scale effort to downsides especially when it doesn't affect full-time employees this is simply the termination of contracts according to insider gaming affected employees will have their contracts officially terminated at the end of october it was said now we may get more insight into november because These are contractual workers. They're not getting severance, so they're probably not having to force signage of non-disparagement agreements. So an NDA can be a non-disclosure agreement, but it also can be a non-disparagement agreement where you basically agree you won't talk about what happened, you won't go into details about what's going on at the company so we may get a classic jason schreier tell-all in november once these people are no longer under contract they may be able to speak with the press anonymously there's 25 of them so if they do it right then it won't be traced back to them okay so they may be under some type of an agreement with the contract but since the contract's being cut short I don't know if they're bound to anything that was in it. There might have been things in there about speaking with the press or there might have been NDAs that they signed even prior to being hired that even bind them after the fact. I don't know. We'll have to wait and see if we get any more details from those employees once they're no longer at the company. Insider Gaming was good to point out. Quote, the report comes during a time when mass industry layoffs are abundant, with the likes of Epic Games laying off 16% of its employees, totaling approximately 1,000 people. I'm curious to see, there are people running with this story as if this is an alarmist situation. Oh my gosh, Naughty Dog's laying people off, right? 25 contractual workers, let's, let's be fair here, okay? Did those same people cover Epic laying off 1,000 people? What about when Microsoft and Xbox did their own layoffs? What about when 343 did their layoffs? Okay, We're seeing industry-wide layoffs. 25 contractual workers at a dev isn't even remotely moving the needle of concern or worry. Concern or worry for the devs, yes, the people who no longer have jobs, that's scary and not an enjoyable experience to go through, but this is not a fire alarm story for Naughty Dog. I think there's a bigger story at play here. I'm curious about the people that are covering this as if this is a dire situation. Did they express the same concern and worry for 343? What about the team working on Perfect Dark? What about Epic Games? These were significantly larger layoffs. The layoffs at 343 were four times the amount here. It was close to a hundred people. And the team working on Perfect Dark, it was stated that half of them left. Half. So I just say this because I don't think that's the big story. I think people focusing that on that are trying to draw this like heightened alarmist attitude to it. It was 25 contractual workers. This is more linked to something bigger. I think the bigger story is the live service push and the factions game being put on ice. I don't think the layoffs is the story. I think it's the catalyst or the insight into the real story. According to Game Informer, within Kotaku's report, the publication says that one of its sources says Naughty Dog's in-development Last of Us multiplayer game is not completely canceled, but is basically on ice at this point this is what I was trying to say the last time that we covered this we heard about this and I said listen all signs point to this game being on indefinite suspension all right I got a lot of pushback back then but in response to the bloom bloomberg report in May naughty dog said the following so if you thought no, no 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 this game's going forward this game's okay You kind of had reason to. Naughty Dog said the following in response to the Bloomberg report in May. They said, We know many of you have been looking forward to hearing more about the Last of Us multiplayer game. We're incredibly proud of the job our studio has done thus far. But as development has continued, we've realized what is best for the game is to give it more time. Well, putting the game on ice and laying off 25 contract workers doesn't really send a we-need-more-time message it sounds like a soft cancel in other words they are suspending the project indefinitely that's what it sounds like to me even if they aren't flat out canceling it they've obviously made progress they've got something but it can't launch in the way that they thought and this isn't a game that i think needs more time because for all intents and purposes it seems they will not be working on it for the foreseeable future at the time excuse me naughty dog also said Our team will continue to work on the project, as well as other games in development, including a brand new single player experience. We look forward to sharing more info soon. If this is no longer true, I think they should formally announce it. I don't know why you wouldn't formally announce that this game has been indefinitely suspended, they're not going to do anything with it. I can see a future where they do decide to maybe even fold what they built, Into the last of us three we know that that's begun production we know they're working on that and that's you know that's going to be here i would imagine in five years or so maybe five or six years and then you can fold factions into it if you've got something built that will work i do say though i think the way they ended their previous response does create a setting where they should update the community they said we're grateful to our fantastic community for your support thank you for your passion for our games it continues to drive us Given this game mode's history and how they pulled it from The Last of Us 2, I think they owe the community an answer and an explanation if it has been put on ice. I don't think silence on this is excusable. Tell the community what's going on because you've continued to update us about it. And if it's not coming to the market, if it's going to have to completely change shape or, again be indefinitely suspended, then just tell people that. I think you owe them that because of the announcement made in 2019 as well as the response in May to the alleged you know, reports of it being canceled or whatever. They were like, no, we're still working on it. If that's changed, then tell the public. Now, what does this mean for Sony's live service push. I think it's safe to say that Sony's live service push has seen some internal adjustments. They wanted more than 10 live service games. I think the count was like 12. They wanted at least 10 to 12 by the end of 2026. Now, that was reported in early 2022. It's been almost two years, and we haven't seen really any movement on this front. They haven't said anything. Uh, GT7, uh, Gran Turismo 7, is obviously one of those games, but... I don't think we can count Foam Stars. That's not first party. I mean, maybe we could. Maybe they're helping. I don't know. I don't know if they count it as one of the, the live service games because, you know, Foam Stars is not a first party you know title. Uh, we're not sure if Helldivers 2 is intended to be live service. We're not sure. Colin Moriarty, like, was listing live service games on that podcast with Brap. And he listed hell divers. I think a lot of us are assuming it's, it's live service, but we don't actually know. They haven't said that yet. It seems the goal to have 10 or 12 live service games launching in 2024, 2025, and then 2026, you would need at least three games a year to hit nine. And then I guess you could add that on top of Gran Turismo 7 and congratulations, you got 10. If they're counting the new Bungie live service game, right? We know Fair Games is coming. We know Concord is coming. I mean, maybe they might get canceled if Bungie looks at them and says, no, this won't work. I don't know if they're counting Marathon in the total either, the game coming from Bungie, because that's not going to be a first-party-only title. It's going to probably be multi-plat. According to the contract and all the statements made about the Bungie acquisition, their future projects will be multi-platform some of the slowness or the maybe potential internal shifts or delays with live service it's likely related to reports that studios were not comfortable with this pivot according to Xfire first party Sony Studios are reportedly uncomfortable with the pivot toward games as a service now they're echoing a report from Bloomberg I'll be honest I find this article from from Bloomberg to be weird I I, I don't I don't find it to make much sense to me okay this is what they say in in the Bloomberg article. They said, over the last two years, Ryan, Jim Ryan, has overseen a PlayStation shift towards games as a service, a popular industry buzzword referring to video games usually multiplayer that can be monetized over long periods of time. It's been an uncomfortable pivot for some of Sony's studios, which has spent the last decade building out teams of expanded developers to make big cinematic adventure games that are that are played solo. Now the article doesn't go into any more detail. It just says they're uncomfortable. They don't cite it. They don't say, oh, I've got insiders at these companies that have spoken with me. I think some of this is logical presumption. I don't know if they have concrete information because they didn't put that in the article. Based on what happened with factions, but also just looking at Bungie's role in the equation, the article acknowledges that Bungie's been brought in to help with live service, but it goes on to say, quote, it took Bungie decades to develop the teams, technology, and production pipelines that have made Destiny, six Destiny successful. And even so, they had some serious growing pains along the way. Even Bungie's expertise has not yet been able to turn PlayStation Studios into a service game factory. This is so silly to say... If I'm honest, like the Bungie acquisition closed in the middle of 2022. It's barely been an entire full year. Why would anybody expect a turnaround to be that quick? Like, well, it's been, you know, 14 months and Bungie's turned PlayStation into a live service factory like that. That seems kind of a weird framing the the way it's framed is if Bungie is yet to be able to do this if you look at internal documents there was a ramp up and an onboarding process Bungie didn't like hit the ground running like as soon as the ink was dry in the contract they weren't like throwing Bungie at their studios and saying hey look at all of the games that, that, that we're trying to make live service right it seems weird to to do this because the first game they looked at was factions i mean bloomberg's journalist schreier he knows this he reported on this so i find the framing in this article to be odd i do think there could be precedent for the presumption that studios aren't comfortable with this pivot but the article cites anthem and the big shift oh like bioware shifted away from what they traditionally did but again Jason Schreier reported on this. Like, what killed Anthem was not pivoting to something unfamiliar. If you read the autopsy and the postmortem on Anthem, it was years of production wasted by management not making decisions. They built Anthem in 18 months. They built Anthem in 15 months, according to a recent comment from a dev. So the framing here feels strange to so like cite Anthem as an example of, yep, that's what happens when you pivot away from what you're known for. That That's not at all a diagnosis of why Anthem failed. Anthem failed because they didn't build a full game, because they didn't have time to, because upper management wasted years, literal years, changing the vision of the game, changing the style of the game, changing the genre of the game. That's why Anthem failed. That's such a misdiagnosis coming from Bloomberg, coming from the outlet that reported on what happened to Anthem. Now, beyond Anthem, we do have Redfall as an example of a game that a studio didn't want to make, right? It was outside of their expertise. So I can imagine, I don't think it's weird to imagine, PlayStation studios who have spent their years building and amassing talent and building out single player narrative driven experiences, I could see those studios sort of wincing and recoiling at the idea of building live service games even if the studios aren't comfortable let's say they're not adapting well an industry insider doesn't think that Jim Ryan's live service plans are going to happen the way that he wanted, right? This is still Schreier so Eurogamer points to this article and says Sony's live service pivot, quote, may not fall off the way, or may not pay off the way Jim Ryan had once hoped. So the byline of the article reads: insiders are worried about the company's lack of coherent vision. So we're going to pull from that Bloomberg article again. And what Eurogamer highlights is, they say this. The article ends by hinting that, quote, insiders are worried about the company's lack of coherent vision. Again, this is generic. We don't know what this means. None of this was substantiated in the article. The article didn't give us any insight into, well, I've spoken to this studio or I've spoken to that studio or I've spoken to these. It was just very, very generic. Some of this could just be garden variety reaction and reluctance to embrace change. It wouldn't be surprising to me at all if there were murmurings at all of the studios, like, I don't want to do live service. Are you kidding me? We do single player games. That wouldn't be shocking to me at all. I honestly don't even think the 10 live service games is doable. The industry is stigmatized against live service games. Gamers can only play so many games in a regular rhythmic basis anyway. I think roughly three to four of the live service games will actually come to market. I think maybe two of them will make it. Now, Colin Moriarty, when he was on BRAP, he understands this pivot for Sony. He essentially was saying if they just keep plucking on the same string of the banjo, that could be devastating for them long term. And I tend to agree with him. Sony knows what they're good at, but they can't continue to just do that. If, If they can get just a few successful live service games out, they would gain more than revenue. They would gain insight and data, and they could couple that with Bungie. It could really bring things to become true when Jim Ryan said they would get more out of the Bungie acquisition than the Activision acquisition because in his mind, those are revenue streams, those are future content trends that we need to be able to lean into. Everybody's upset that Sony is doing this, But I think everybody's forgetting this doesn't exist on a binary. They're not going to be taking first-party studios and saying, you can't work on anything single-player. You can't work on the sequel to Ghost of Tsushima. you got to make a live-service game. I don't think that's happening. I don't. I think everybody's assuming that this is going to you know, cannibalize the portfolio of Sony. I think it's intended to be additive, especially if you look at the financial reports. They're increasing the spending in traditional gaming, but they're also increasing the spending for live service to make it additive. They want a more well-balanced portfolio of games. They don't want it to be so lopsided. So if you like the single-player games, I don't think you have anything to worry about according to their own internal documents about where they're focusing their spending. You're still going to get a healthy cadence of those games. I don't think that's changing. But when we look at Factions 2, we still have to ask the question, the one I put on the thumbnail, who is to blame here, right? I think it's helpful to look at Naughty Dog's official announcement back in 2019. Let me put it on the screen here for you. Okay, they said, we wanted to address multiplayer in The Last of Us Part 2. As we've stated, the single-player campaign is far and away the most ambitious project Naughty Dog has ever undertaken. Likewise, as development began on the evolution of our factions mode from The Last of Us Part 1, the vision of the team grew beyond an additional mode that could be included with our enormous single-player campaign. Wanting to support both visions, we made the difficult choice that The Last of Us part two would not include an online mode however you will eventually experience the fruits of our team's online ambition but not as part of the last of us part two when and where it will be realized is still to be determined but rest assured we are as big of a fan of factions as the rest of our community and we're excited to share more when it's ready so from where i sit i think there's only one way to read this It sounds like they saw the landscape of live service games in 2019. Things were shifting, okay? I think they felt that factions outgrew being just a mode, which means they envisioned factions standing on its own. I think this is their choice. I don't think this came from Sony. I think Naughty Dog thought this could be a live service game. I don't think they had aspirations to launch factions on its own and then just leave it. And be like, nope, it's just a multiplayer game. Nobody was really doing that anymore. 2019 was a big shift. Everything was changing. 2017, the end of 2017 into 2018 was the boom and the explosion of Fortnite. It changed the entire landscape of gaming. Multiplayer games dramatically changed in what people thought they could get out of them. Jim Ryan came into the head of PlayStation and SIE earlier in 2019. This tweet that I just read you, that was made in September of 2019 now I don't think in the first few months of his job he kicked the door down at Naughty Dog and was like hey factions needs to be live service I don't think that was the case it reads more like they were trying to evolve and grow factions and as they did From their own words, it became too big to just be a mode, okay? When Battle Royales are taking over the gaming space and making tons of money, it stands to reason that they thought they had a product that could stand on its own in a similar way. So the question of who to blame is a complex question. It's hard to blame a company for looking at the shifting landscape of multiplayer games in 2019 and not thinking... We could do that. Factions was a surprise hit with the audience of the first Last of Us game. And the Battle Royale phenomenon felt similarly organic. Fortnite just sort of threw out this mode and it exploded. I think Bungie's long-standing experience brought some sober reality to the room. I think Naughty Dog knows how to make great single-player games. And I think they likely had great ideas for a good Factions mode but modes don't make for great games even the division heartland which was basically the division survival mode they were trying to turn that into a game it's now rumored it's on hold it's potentially going to get baked into something else or be combined with other things so honestly i would blame bungie but for good reason i would blame bungie it's always better to cancel a game that's not going to do well instead of shoving it out and having it be bad the Last of Us is a big and valuable piece of property. Thanks to the games, but even more so now, the hit series on HBO really makes this game significantly more important to PlayStation and to Sony. After the poor Last of Us PC port, they cannot afford any more bad or failed launches with the property because they know. That there's all all eyes are looking for The Last of Us Three to be amazing. The pressure on your third game is so immense that we'll likely never see a Half-Life 3 or a Portal 3. But we know we're gonna see a Last of Us 3, and factions could really harm the property on that runway. So blame Naughty Dog, blame Jim Ryan, blame Bungie, blame whomever you want, but the situation makes two things very clear: live service games are coming, but the road is steep. And the road is narrow. And a lot of the games just won't make it. So let me give you my thoughts and my conclusions on this. I think the discussion gets more heated about this in particular. It it always kind of strikes me how angry people get about this game. Uh, They feel like entitled to it. I think it's because they were more tuned into The Last of Us. 2 and the 2019 factions announcement i wasn't tuned into the game back then right it's frustrating to wait this long for something and then likely have it never launch and even if it does launch so much time will have passed that it's not going to make it better, right? People will be glad to finally have it, but like this, the, the road to its arrival is going to be paved with a lot of disappointment and a lot of frustration. The second thing I want to say is Sony's push to get live service games is almost assuredly not just a Jim Ryan-only initiative. I don't know why it's being billed as that because executives and shareholders are not oblivious to the revenue funnels in gaming and they likely want a piece of the live service pie so while i think jim ryan's aspirations to have 10 or 12 live service games by 2026 i don't think that happens i don't think that means that playstation abandons the strategy altogether i don't think they're like well jimmy boy's gone so no more live service i think they're definitely going to continue to try to have successful efforts in this, in this genre of game because it can generate lots of revenue and it can really, really help get you out of just one sort of category where you're successful. Their portfolio would be a lot more robust. It would be a lot deeper. My conclusion is this. The stigma and the negativity around live service games reminds me of how the gaming culture reacted to microtransactions. Initial revulsion and criticism and skepticism. And I always said when microtransactions started showing up in games that I played, I said, listen, this isn't going anywhere. The cost of making games is insane. It's 100 times higher or whatever than it used to be. It's significantly more expensive. We looked into this recently. The cost to make, like, a Mario on the Nintendo 64 and a Zelda. It was, like, $12 million for both projects. And it was, like, 200 people. It's, like, $6 million per project. That's a joke now, okay? Budgets for games are insane. And I always said, they've got to figure out ways to monetize because they're only charging us sixty bucks, which we're spending less money for much larger games than we did traditionally. In the past, you would pay a hundred or more dollars according to inflation for games that were a fraction of the size of the games that we play today. And so these games were saying we have to have other ways to make our money. Our margins are razor thin. This is just ridiculous. We're seeing studios, you know, we're seeing studio foreclosure right now because of this reality. Like the game budget's so big that if the game doesn't absolutely take off like a rocket, then they're done. They, they can't stay open. This essentially happened with the mortals of Avium. So basically, what I said was. At the time, and I continue to say this, microtransactions aren't going anywhere, so what you should do is you should champion the good practices and you should reject the bad practices. We can sort of shape the way that microtransactions show up in the market, and largely, most microtransactions thankfully are vanity driven, they're not gameplay impacting. Hopefully we can continue to hold that line. But live service games are in a similar fashion. I don't think they're going anywhere. Companies will continue to try to capture the Fortnite formula in a bottle. And while that may feel foolhardy because it was organic, it was unpredictable what happened with Fortnite. You can't manufacture that type of growth. That's not going to prevent profit-driven decision makers from trying to come up with their own live service decoder ring alright so for now it seems that the last of us factions 2 will not be coming but other live service games will so it's in our best interest to support the good ones and reject the bad ones because ultimately that's how we get great games and great experiences and that's the show open thank you guys so much for being here man hit the like button hit subscribe so you can talk in my chat i'm gonna pop out the chat it looks like i have a super chat to thank and i once again i somehow get a smudge on my glasses right before i go live and i somehow don't see it until like i'm like halfway through the monologue it's like super super distracting and triggering for the entire opening monologue. Let's get the daily goal up. By the way, for the month of October, Fright Night is well within reach. You guys have really gone crazy. We're already at 2,400 members. So Fright Night, we will give you a a scary game on the Friday night streams with my wife. We'll do that all month long if you guys can hit that that 3,000. Now we have higher goals. Well, let's hit the three first. Jose Gomez with a super chat of $4 says... Uh, oh, I yeah, thanks so much for liking the show. I appreciate that. You are the best. And he says he enjoys the show very, very much. And we enjoy having you. Thank you so much. Some people saw an ad during the monologue. I have it turned off. I told you guys they kept trying to do this. Um, I didn't do, I didn't run any ads. Let me refresh and make sure that they did not turn on automated ads no, ads automation is disabled right now, I did not do it, I can't, I'm talking I don't. I can't even see the button to press, if you got an ad during the show open I'm really sorry, I've been trying to tell folks YouTube's really pressuring us to do that, yo, DK Beggar, Han shot first and so did you, first gifted member of the day thank you so, so much excuse me we can blame YouTube. I'm really worried they're just going to start doing that automatically. Uh, I really hope that th- what they decide to do is that they just do it in the chat. They're experimenting with putting ads in the chat so that way it doesn't disrupt the live stream. I, people gave me so much grief for saying that the other day. I'm like, listen, man, they're, they're going to do it. They're going to they're gonna run ads automatically. It was like three seconds, no big deal. Um, Fortnite is dead and Apex is dead. Imagine playing that slop. You think those games are dead? <laughs> they're not dead are you kidding me I think the reason why Sony wants to put out 10 live service games is so they can see one or two click and then they can focus on those one or two right and that's what I was saying I was like okay there's no way they're launching all 10 or 12 I think they only launched like four of them I think most of them get cancelled I'm serious I think most of them get cancelled I think Bungie's gonna be like a machete it's just gonna be like nope not good enough nope not good enough I think we'll get like four by 2026 i don't mean like lifetime i i think by 2026 we'll get like four we'll get four of them and and i think two of them will succeed you know derek says i mean for what it's worth this is two days in a row that your show started without any advert at all on both browser and the and the tv app well good Eugene says, if they hadn't spent almost 10 years developing this, hadn't cut the mode from The Last of Us 2 and The Last of Us 1 Remake for it, uh, I'd be okay with them shelving a standalone version. Right, and I think that's why I said in my show open, I said, listen, you guys owe the community an explanation. Because you leveled with the community and you said, there, no, you're, you're, we're not putting factions in The Last of Us 2 and then when reports come out in may of this year that it's that it's, it's seeing setbacks you're like we need to give it more time you know we appreciate all your support you're, you're the community you're awesome okay well if it's been put on ice if it's indefinitely suspended then i would say it's it's time to it's time to tell the community i think that's fair 3 months of membership from wolf says hi how is everyone thank you so much wolf for being here Having that many live service games cut down would really shake my trust in these game types. Not sure it would do the same to the market. Well, here's the thing about a live service game, you have to understand something. If it comes out and it fails, what that does is it creates this almost vacuum of, of distrust. It's like all the people that went and tried it are like, ah, they didn't even support it. Ah, yeah, they canceled it. Oh, yeah, they shut the servers off. So any other upcoming live service game is going to be viewed through that scrutiny of, well, you guys just did one. And you shut it. It, didn't, it didn't work. Six months later, you shut it down. So I think they're far better to try to do a couple. You know, do three or four. And if one or two of them succeed, then I think that balances out. People are like, okay, well, those ones didn't do well. They sucked. They weren't good. Whatever. But these two over here, these are great. You try to do 12... You try to do ten and two succeed; those odds are terrible. The average person is going to say, I, "The PlayStation doesn't know how to do live service games." You can't launch ten and have two make it. You got to trim down. You got to let again. You got to let Bungie in the room. I think the biggest factor that nobody's considering is most successful live service games fought their way, blood, tooth, sweat just climbing up a horrible horrible cliffside to succeed like there have not been any games that have tried to like hit the market as live service from day one most of them haven't made it most of them haven't made it they grow in to live service or they have enough pull to survive whether you know Diablo had enough pull as a franchise to survive now I don't know if they still can but with everything that's going on there's people sort of encroaching on the genre with Path of Exile and Last Epoch but in general I think that most successful live service games kind of organically grew into a successful live service game Uh, Francistine, with four months of memberships, says, Sony can just revive shooters like Resistance and Killzone. These games have established fan bases, and it's much safer to do. Well, I would say the challenge there is that that market is so saturated. If people are playing Fortnite, Apex, and Call of Duty in large, large quantities, then, what? (laughs) You're just going to throw a resistance or a kill zone out there. What's the hook? It's going to be just another shooter. It's going to be just another sh- live service shooter game. If you're going to if you're going to hit the live service market, you need to have something else. You need to have something unique. You need to have a, a, a hook, right? Somebody says so. We trust Bungie now, and this guy kind of tag teams and says, "Weird, right? They didn't start off great with Destiny both times." I think you're misunderstanding trust. We're talking about confidence in experience, right? If... This is not a matter of, like, saying, well, Bungie is, like, super trustworthy as a company. I don't think so. I think they're a terrible company. I think they they literally paid IGN for a puff piece to glide over their misconduct, right? And they paid people to be quiet, to sweep their misconduct under the rug, okay? I don't trust them. I, I you know, I don't think they're a good company. I think they're I think they're a, a false they're a paper champion. They're a false savior. Like I think the veil is slipping on the mask anyway, their recent thing that they tried to post for like the Latin community backfired in their face. Like when you virtue signal so much you break your own back. I don't have I don't I don't like the company at all. But if I want a company looking at my live service game, I want Bungie in the room. I want Bungie in the room. Because they survived the, the the live service gauntlet. Does that make sense? You can be you can be a ruthless, bad person, but if you've got ten years experience with, I don't know, chopping down trees, I might ask your opinion like what do you think I should do here? You know what I'm saying? Like I, I think their insight into live service, their insight into what works, content rhythm, content cadence, what causes churn? What causes return? What yields highest results? What what patterns have we noticed um, turns into the most conversions? What patterns have we noticed turns into the most money? All of those things, they can bring to the table. They, they're not even attempting. I don't think. I don't think they're attempting to be like, hey, can you destinyify every live service game that we have? No, they want their insight because this is what Bungie's going to do when they walk into a room with a game like The Last of Us Factions. They're going to walk into the room, and they're going to say, all right, what do you got? Okay, cool. What's the concept? What's the POV? What's the uh, what's the genre? What's the identity? Okay, then the next question is going to be, okay, what's the content loop? What is the player doing? Okay, great. All right. What's the elasticity and longevity of the content loop? What are you doing in the third month? What are you doing in the 6th month? What are you doing ninth month? A year from now, what's the player's experience look like? How are you going to foster rhythmic engagement? What are you doing? And I have a pretty good feeling that Naughty Dog was like, Um, more maps? Uh, Uh, a battle pass? Um, and they were like, no. No. You need a content loop that can be laterally evolved to give you elasticity if you can't do that then people are going to get tired in, of running in your little circle like what Fortnite does is the map changes the meta changes the vehicles the weapons the items it all changes why well you basically have to deal with that attention span You have to deal with that attention span. So if you're going to build a live service game, that's what you have to consider. Look at what successful live service games do. There is a rhythmic delivery of new things that are familiar to the content loop, but it's a lateral evolution. It's like laterally additive. So you'll have this new... Content cycle to run. You'll have this new activity to run, and then your incentive to do it is, you know, cosmetic items, items in the game, weapon, armor, whatever. <clears throat> does Lono work for Bungie? How does he know all this? I think it's sensible to think, because we have, we know this as a fact, that Sony bought Bungie. Sony bought Bungie to foster a live service center of excellence. So basically, Help us deliver live service games. So it stands to reason that Bungie's going to walk in the room and say, "How how is this game going to survive? How? What are you What are you doing? What What are you doing in the sixth month? What are you doing in the twelfth month? What are you doing to foster rhythmic, ongoing engagement from the player? What do you got? And I think." Most teams, think about the history of developers. Most developers don't even think in those terms. What do they think in? They think in build a really, really solid content loop or build a really, really solid mode. And that's it. That's all you have to do. Well, the guns are good. The map is good. It's not buggy. It's really fun. We We worked with we worked with map designers to make sure that the map was balanced. We don't want to have too many choke points. You don't want to have too many long-range vantage points. You don't have too many close-quartered positions where you can't feel like you can move. So we have good balance. The map's dynamic. It breathes. Those are all things they know how to do. But you ask them the next question of, all right, well, how do you foster rhythmic engagement with the content? How do you get somebody to come back in two or three months and keep playing? What are you doing? What, what's your philosophy on that? and they're going to say, we don't have a philosophy on that. Why? We've never done that. You bring somebody in the room who's been doing it since 2014, almost 10 years, and they can say, oh, my sweet summer child, your game won't make it. Because Destiny 1's success was largely fostered in an environment where there was nothing else to play, so they had a lot of time, and people you know, people were patient with them, and... They had a lot of of bungee fans that were like, I I, I believe that this game can be can be something. Or or they just like the content loop. It was really addicting content loop. Like I've I don't know if I've I've still to this day don't know if I've played a shooter that feels as good. I've gotten some pretty great weapons in Phantom Liberty. The shooting in Cyberpunk feels so much better. And I you know, but I still don't know if I've ever played a shooter as good as Destiny. And the content loop keeps people coming back. They had a guy, I believe, by the name of John Hobson. He was like a behavioral brain scientist. And they had him assisting them in studying content loops and thinking through how can you keep people coming back. They literally had a, a behavioral brain scientist helping them with the, with the development of Destiny. Oh, we have another one of those guys. Okay. I'll just get rid of him. Thanks, Eugene. Just another gifted that we don't want here. Let's let's go to the channel. I want to see how long their their channel's been in existence. Yeah, they made it this year in March. Yeah. They're retreating to their other alts and they're just trying to start fights. Yeah, they're gone. they they that's there. That's probably just somebody on an alt. They're just trying to they're just trying to pick fights. Some of the stuff he was saying didn't even make any sense cyberpunk made me feel feelings last night well done good morning hilly have you played apex legends yeah guys we banned that guy he was clearly just trying to pick fights he was just insulting people he wasn't having a conversation he was saying things to get a rise and a reaction out of you he couldn't get one from me so he was having to go at you guys so we removed him i don't let people do that you're not allowed to come in here and attack people in the chat so on the subject of who's to blame for the last of us factions too right you know who's to blame I think you blame Bungie and I don't mean that in a mean way I don't you blame them if Sony wouldn't have hired Bungie you know what we'd be talking about we'd probably be talking about how the last of us factions too just didn't last you know it, was, it didn't last. It wasn't built to last. Yo, what's good, feed? Guys, feed's in the chat. Let's let, get this man a membership, right? Get this man a membership. Mark Miller, he's set to receive one. Come on now. If I was Sony, I would prioritize a live service that leverages my IP like the Last of Us Horizon ETC and then hand off to my multiplayer studio so my single player can keep churning out single player console sellers. Um... Yeah, I think that's difficult. I think that's difficult, Dalton, because you want people familiar with the IP in the room, at least. You don't want some weird... if Like, like let's imagine this Horizon multiplayer game. We know Guerrilla's working on it. Imagine somebody else was working on it. I don't know if that's ideal because you're going to lose a lot of the identity. Think, think of it like this. Let's say that you hire some company that's like really good at making multiplayer games and you hire them. Um, Let's just say you make, let's just say for the hypothetical thought experiment that you're like, hey, Bungie, why don't you make it? You make the Horizon Forbidden West multiplayer game. You know how to do multiplayer games. You know how to do live service. And so they build it. The worry would be is that it's Horizon in name only. It wouldn't feel like a Horizon game, right? Oh yeah, don't forget. The light roast is back. I forgot to pull the coffee into the frame. If you guys are coffee drinkers and you've never tried coffee with balanced acidity, you should try my coffee. And uh, we did bring back the light roast. You can get a you can get a little bit of a discount if you, you can get a little bit of a discount if you do the best of both worlds. Best of both worlds, and meet Jan surviving oh there's a new trailer for that alters game do we have a release date yet for that game that game looks like extremely interesting it's coming out next year that's all we know okay there's a new trailer it looks like Yeah, and so in my mind, if you have other companies building the multiplayer games, hang on, I got to thank Scotty B. Scotty B, thank you for 17 months and a member plus. Maybe there was too much good content ready at launch, and Bungie said, You can't release this. You will over deliver. Content needs to be drip fed. I have a very hard time believing. Um, stop saying that's not live yet. Oh, I thought we had the best of both worlds. I thought I saw people buying the bundle. I'm sorry. The best of both worlds bundle is not live yet, but just buy both flavors if you're curious. Nice shirt. Oh yeah, guys, we're we're working with a great company. You're going to see these shirts more often. I think I want to rotate their shirts in more often. ec77.co. All right, you can use the shirt command in chat. They have really really cool shirts. They're like more of a, like a graphic style, streetwear style. Like they have almost kind of a vintage look sometimes. Check them out, EC77.co. Um, they're not they're not paying me to say that, but I do have a code you can use. Do you save 10%? I do get a kickback from that. But but I reached out to them because I was like, they followed me on Twitter and I went and looked at their shirts and I was like, yo, these shirts are hot. They printed a special version of one of the shirts for me. I'll be wearing it this week. Check them out. I'm going to rotate 80s tees out for a while. We're going to rotate them out and be primarily like into the AM and EC77. The 80s tees' prices are so high. It just, even my discount's not helping. So these other two sites. Oh, and Ripped Apparel. Uh, The Ripped Apparel, Into the AM, and EC77 are all, I think, uh in a better price range i know people aren't trying to spend 40 dollars on a shirt i know that's hard because right now you know times are tough so if you're looking for t-shirts <laughs> and gifts and things coming up in the holiday season i'd rather be promoting you know maybe what some shirts that are a little bit more affordable so make sure and check them out brooklyn breed says hit the like button yeah we got almost 600 people here man smash the like button I'm curious what you guys think about this. Where are you on the... Where are you on the Richter scale of frustration here? Do you think this thing should have just come out? I've seen a variety of responses. People are like, Man, screw Bungie. This game should have just come out. Or, you know, Bungie has no right to do this. And it's like, well, they were literally hired to do this. So I think that's a weird take. Um does anyone know if super chat went through youtube crashed on me let me check victory I don't have a super chat from you on my fan funding page and I don't see it in chat I love some of the stuff on 80s tees even the discount I never found two or three I would order together to combine the shipping yeah Brooklyn Breed's also telling you to upgrade to member plus (laughs) yeah do all the things three word destruction all stars that's what happens when you have a poor loop Well, there's a combination of things that you need. If you want a successful live service game, you you need a really, really good content loop, but you also need an ongoing content plan. You have to have two things, and they have to dovetail together. You have to have a great content loop, and then you also have to have... An ongoing content plan that dovetails and synergizes with that content loop. They have to work in harmony with each other. Eugene says, I'm not mad at Bungie. I'm frustrated at them allowing the scope to grow beyond a mode in the first place. So you think they just should have slapped the mode in Last of Us Two? They should have just kept it a mode and just put it in the Last of Us Two and then moved on. Kinda dusted their hands off and said, That's all we're doing. That's what you would have liked. It's like hiring a Burger King to give advice on McDonald's. I don't agree with that. You think you think you don't like the fact that they hired Bungie to give insight into live service games? Who's, who knows what they're doing in live service games? Who? Why? There's a stigma around live service games because people keep trying to do it and failing. People keep trying to launch a live service game and then they fail. So, who, who, who are you going to run to? For, for, for insight into a successful live service game, who, who are you going to? I agree, as I said yesterday, the fact that Bungie is saying anything is kind of crazy, but at the end of the day, they are experts. Bungie can't keep T2 running consistently, yet they've hired to advise others on their live service games. So, you think they're having issues with servers, connectivity, I think some of the problems with Destiny are that the, the that the engine's old. The engine's the engine's struggling with some of the stuff that they like to do and you think that's cause for concern about their input on live service games. Like I don't get that. So they've had a successful live service game for 9 years. 9. And you're like no. They're having trouble right now. There's connectivity problems. There's glitches, there's bugs. No, we don't we don't think they know what they're doing. You think epic would be a better input? I don't agree with that. Do you want to know why? I don't think the battle royale format gives you a whole lot of insight. I don't think so. I don't think battle royale gives you as much insight as a game like Destiny. I'm with Lono, the guy that did it wrong a thousand times is a very valuable resource. Right, like, that, that that was something that I talked about. Like, I gave an analogy a while ago when we talked about this. And I said, imagine that you were going into a part of the country where digging up the earth and building foundations for buildings was like really really challenging and the buildings kept falling down and there was a company that had been doing it for nine years and they had a lot of failure and they had a lot of success right going to that company for insight would be so valuable yeah we noticed in this particular year you had more buildings fall than stood stayed standing what what was it that led to that? And they're like, oh yeah, we didn't account for irrigation. We didn't account for irrigative systems in neighboring uh, pieces of property weakening the soil. Oh, so you got to do that now too when you go to build houses on this type of land. We, yes, we didn't know that. We learned that. That's why that year in particular, more buildings fell than stayed standing. Do you see you look at nine years of destiny there's some really bad years do you know what those really bad years teach you they teach you what not to do <laughs> they teach you oh yeah yeah that was one of our worst years oh my gosh yeah you remember that dave whoo we thought we were gonna have to close up shop No, yeah here's what you don't want to do that 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 information is so so valuable 5 spot from victory I hate that all the live service games we know of this is the game with problems and potentially cancelled this was the game I wanted the most from playstation not for mere housing but for industrial plants like I'm just I'm using a very simple example that if you had a company that was doing a particular thing for 9 years the really bad years are some of the most beneficial years for you to learn from yep Yeah, 2015 was probably the darkest time for us, and here's why. We did this. We tried to do this. We weren't doing parallel development yet. We tried to do too much parallel development. We outsourced too much. There's all these things that they could point to to say, that's why that year in particular was one of our worst years as a live service game. You don't want to do that. Who's to say they didn't walk in the room, take one look at factions and be like, (laughs) look at this, guys. Yep, that's what we did. You can't do that. That's not going to work. You can't do that. Yeah, we almost failed because of that. It's like the aircraft that comes back bullet ridden. You know where it can take shots and survive based on the damage it's taken. So that tells you where to have better armor. That's right. I think the whole premise was flawed. Says John, always targeting TLOU fans with live service, you're automatically shrinking your potential audience. Weezy says, wait until people find out that they what their beloved Yoshi P has said numerous times. He's a huge World of Warcraft fan, and he looked at WoW when they were rebuilt when they were rebuilding Final Fantasy 14. of course. And he likely learned from their mistakes as much as their successes, as much if not more if not more. You're going to learn more from from your opponent's mistakes. A five spot from Victory. Isn't Bungie being devs and overseers a conflict of interest? Can't they just cancel good-looking games they feel will cannibalize their own? I've gotten this question before Victory, and I think it's a fair question, but I also think it's one that is likely not something they haven't planned for. Right? The team... The team that is going to look at a game like, let's just say, I don't know, they sent eight people to Naughty Dog. That team likely has some, I would think, some metric, some formula, some thing that they ask and then create and then hand off to somebody at Sony. And say, this is what we've discovered, this is our recommendation. I don't think they're like walking in the room and, and they're like, this game's awesome. Let's uh, let's encourage Sony to cancel it. <laughs> Does that make sense? It wouldn't surprise me if there was some sort of an incentive for Bungie to help launch a successful live service game. Some type of a royalty kickback or something. That wouldn't shock me at all. You know. Well, this game's going to be better than Marathon. We better cancel it. You know. I don't. I don't think so. I think they probably have a vested interest in launching a successful live service game. Oh yeah, this one's good. This one shows promise. The game launches, generates a bunch of money. I feel like Bungie earns their keep. Bungie's not going to earn their keep by shooting down successful potential successful live service games. They're not going to earn their keep. They're going to they're going to walk themselves out of a job. PlayStation is going to be like, "You you like all this funding?" You like all this this ownership that like kind of shields you from risk? Yeah, you like that? That all goes away if you guys keep canceling every single project because it's too similar to your own stuff. That wouldn't fly. That would be so easy to see. Well, Sony hasn't launched a live service game in the 7 years since Bungie was brought on board. By some sheer miraculous turn of events, Bungie Bungie basically cancels every project. Like that wouldn't work. Bungie saw a bunch of stupid, unnecessary crap in t online. They came in and said, let these drawn-out animations out of here. Let's tone down the dialogue. Egos are involved, by the way. That's a lot of projection and presumption, and that's not contained in anything that we've read or heard. What we heard was Bungie had, had doubts or questions about the game's longevity. There was not a question of like, there was no specificity there was no like individual, you know. Yeah, yeah. Too much dialogue in this game. No, it was we we don't we don't know about this game's longevity. We don't know if this is gonna last. It would be it would be unfortunate if we had to sell you to Embracer Group. That's <laughs> true. Factions and Destiny's two vastly different demographics. Sure, there's some crossover fans, but I don't know about about they thinking of it, of cannibalism right right good launch good content good legs pick two good launch good content good legs pick two so you're saying good content with good legs won't have a good launch why if i can only pick two and i pick the good content with the good legs why does it not have a good launch people have said in not so specific terms is that t loo factions was not built with legs right it was like again this is what i was trying to convey earlier companies are good at what they've been doing nobody to a certain degree nobody has been launching successful live service games so nobody knows what they're doing they have like an approximation of an idea of what they're doing but nobody does think about it in the realm of like i'm coaching you know my, my daughter's soccer team. Yo, Joker Quinn with a single gifted member. Man, the member goal over there was looking a little lonely, and Joker Quinn jumps in and says, I'll help it out. Thank you guys so much. Y'all went crazy yesterday and moved us all the way up to 2,300 members. Keep hammering away at that, and you will definitely hit 3,000, and then we can have some of those. We'll do Fright Nights on Friday night. We're still, we're still going to do Friday night streams no matter what, my wife and I, but you can determine what we do, what games we play, things like that. Um, think about it in like, you know, I'm coaching my, you know, my daughter's soccer team and there's one particular player. That's always really strong on every team it, it without fail, without fail. Every team has that one player that knows what they're doing. Well, guess what happens when it's time to pass the ball in, what do they do? They all look for that player. And that player can be jammed up in traffic, three people around them, and they'll throw it to them every dadgum time. And it's like, no, throw the ball up the line. Throw the ball into open space. Throw the ball in the box. You don't always need to throw it to the good player. Another gifted member from Aaron Claypool. Thank you so much. A little bit of a member train starting. Guys, don't be intimidated by the big member bombs. Those single gifted members add up really, really quick. Thank you so much, Aaron Claypool. He says, choo-choo. So the analogy is, everybody right now is trying to figure out live service and Bungie's out on the field showing that they've got legs. They've got endurance. They're still going after nine years. Along that road of, of nine years, there are corpses all over the place of games that tried to do live service. So what does Sony say? Sony says, well, let's get those guys. They know what they're doing. Yeah, Hyenas just got canceled. Sega's biggest budget game ever. I, you know what I'm saying? Wheezy says in the members only Discord, he says, Sony put the game on ice. They saw enough themselves reminder sony themselves put the game on ice they saw enough as well to know this isn't good for the market it isn't the end of the world it's more of a realistic expectation more games than we will ever know have been put on ice look at the hyenas game from sega they invested so much and canceled it because of the lack of hope for the future of the game and the content etc hey always snacking how are you haven't seen you in a while how many destiny killers are roadkill at this point Uh, that's just so well stated it's just so well stated. Goldeneye is a great, better to ask for forgiveness than ask for permission story. Released in August 1997, the game made 250 million on a 2 million budget. A major reason was its insanely fun multiplayer mode, which Nintendo didn't ask for, and the developers snuck into the game at the last second. Two million dollar budget. Goldeneye. What games are too expensive? The, what, don't don't talk about inflation game budgets aren't higher they built Goldeneye on a 2 million dollar budget that's licensed property by the way that was a freaking movie that was based on a movie and it cost them 2 million to make it's hilarious that the devs snuck in the multiplayer mode I mean the balls to do that because it's Nintendo and they snuck it in and it's the reason for the game's massive success. We're gonna ignore this. Crystal Dynamics announces an end to Marvel's Avengers. Yeah, Marvel's Avengers dead and on the ground. Another one. Will you be doing a live stream of Spider Man 2 when it's released? Yes. I will probably just do it the first day. I won't I won't I won't continue to stream it. Viewership always goes down for gameplay because. Because, number one, people don't want spoilers. And number two, I'm not known for gameplay. So people love to check it out day of. They're like, what's it look like? How's it feel? What's the graphics like? Awesome, cool. And then they leave. Like, the talk show and uh, and, the, and the dialogue-driven uploads is mainly what we do here. And then we do the members-only content as well. But we do a live show and an upload every day or sometimes two live shows. We're not really a gameplay-centric channel. Now, sometimes in the near future, you might see a more regular cadence of game reviews from me. Um, but that doesn't mean you're going to see, like, Part 10 of Spider-Man. Does that make sense? Yeah, Anthem 2 canceled by BioWare. Babylon's Fall will shut down less than a year after launch. You know, Avengers shut down. Anthem shut down. So, back to my analogy. Everybody's gassing out on the field and leaving the field. They're all sitting on the sidelines. And Bungie's just running back and forth for nine years. Yes, they had some trip-ups and some slip-ups. Yes, they had some own goals. But they're still out there. And everybody else is leaving. And Sony says, if we want to build this type of game, we need them on the team. They know how to keep things going. It's it's It just stands to good business sense and good reason to say live service games aren't going anywhere. They're endemic to the gaming world right now. There's tons of them. There's really, really successful ones. There's more mid-lane successful ones. Do you ever wonder why games like Elder Scrolls Online just keeps chugging along? Because they have a loyal fan base, and the loyal fan base funds the game and keeps things going. Elder Scrolls Online is not blowing the doors off with their player counts no way but you got elder scrolls online you got final fantasy 14 you've got destiny no man's sky has morphed into a bit of a live service game diablo 3 lasted for a really long time what like eight years there's plenty of games that have lasted and have figured it out destiny seems to be the most durable for whatever the frick reason As is evident, says Wheezy, it's really hard to make a game as a service game, especially one with legs. I'm sure the input they got was close to that effect. Are we going to ignore that Diablo 4 right now is essentially having a crisis after all the marketing hype? What about uh, Halo Infinite? Call it what you want. It's probably better off that the game was put on ice than to come out and die. Roadkill says, come on, guys, hit the like button. Guys, we're an hour into the broadcast. Smashing the like button does really help out the video. I don't like to harp on it, but every once in a while, if chat mentions it, I'll mention it. Take a second to hit the like button. If you want to talk in my chat, hit subscribe. Subscribing is totally free. Chatting and liking and all those things, it helps you potentially get a gifted membership. Instead of waiting around for a gifted membership, if you can afford one and you want to support the channel directly, hit join. It's 5 bucks. I recommend the $6 membership because then you get into the Daily Writer's Room. That's our very, very end-of-the-day segment where we plan the next day. So those are the ways to support the channel directly. If you can't do a membership, there's no harm in that. Hit like, chat, sub, watch. That supports the channel just as much, and then you might get a gifted membership. Uh, I feel like live service is such a turn-off, and it made... Kill the Justice League devs, turn tail, and hide. Everyone wants to crack the code of live service, even when some people roll their eyes at it. Publisher Seymour reward. Goddess says Overwatch had a good run until they killed it with Overwatch 2. Yeah, the Division 2 is still plugging along. They were going to EOL the Division 2 in, like, what, like, 2020? And they said the support just was there. And it kept going. And so they said, all right. Yeah, Rainbow Six Siege. Rainbow Six Siege turned itself around. It's still plugging away as a live service game. Another good example. Thank you. Like, you see? It can be done. It can be taught. It it can be done. You can do it. But this is why I was advocating the other day for early access for really big games that want long-tail engagement. Like, really big games uh, that want long-tail engagement I think should do early access, like Baldur's Gate 3 and... I think that the challenge with doing early access in a live service game the real real significant challenge is that you end up you end up really exposing your product way before you should you expose your product way before you should and it can be detrimental because live service games need people in the funnel so if you like imagine anthem would have released in early access you know you need a concept you need enough of the world for people to interact with it you need enough of the content loop for people to interact with it and you need people sort of committed to playing and providing you with feedback and i don't know how you do that without a recognizable brand i feel like factions is a game that could get away with that last of us is a recognizable brand but I don't know if publishers and companies and developers are open to the idea of doing a live service game in early access I don't know if they are I don't mean like 72 hours of early access I mean like Baldur's Gate 3 release in early access and for two years they let the community basically help shape the game it's almost like they should have just kept it as a mode using the mode to gauge interest and refine the standalone yeah, maybe. That could have been early access incognito, like it would have been in disguise, right? Nobody would have known that it was essentially serving as early access, but it essentially would have been. You could always hire a QA team. Well, I mean, they laid off 25 people. I don't think those 25 people would be enough. I think the, the public's interaction and response is so much more than you could ever get from an internal QA team. I'll need Schreier's report on what happened with Factions 2. You might get it because the 25 people that were laid off, they were all contractual workers. So I'm assuming they signed NDAs when they came on with the company and those are probably still binding, but given how this kind of played out and given what the internal sources are saying, they might be sort of anxious to talk. Yeah, 25 people at Naughty Dog were laid off. I don't think that's the front burner on the story. There were obviously people running with that. There are people who have an anti-Sony bent, and they were like almost gleefully celebrating the fact that, like, oh, yeah, look at this. Trouble at Sony. It's like 25 contractual workers? Like, are you serious? Were you that worried? Like, I had so many people hand wave and say it wasn't a big deal that like 100 people got laid off at 343. And it wasn't a big deal that 343's plans were put on hold. And it wasn't a big deal that Joseph Staten would no longer be there. Or that Bonnie Ross would no longer be there. Like, none of that mattered. But then 25 people, 25 contract workers get laid off at Naughty Dog. And it's like, oh yeah man, trouble at Sony. And it's like, what? Are you serious? You think that's concerning? 25 contract workers? Like, a thousand people at epic just got laid off and you're you're suddenly you're suddenly worried like ah, come on get out of here with your fake worry and concern right you're see-through you're see-through anyone see the arkham knight on steam has been updated in the database with a beta branch another nvidia leak coming through oh an arkham knight remaster would be so awesome that's just business turns into wow, Sony's in trouble. That's what I'm saying. Like, th- to me, the the layoffs are merely a catalyst into the real story. The real story is Factions 2 is done. I, I, on ice, that's done. The convo on Twitter is very disingenuous. I, I I saw even people posting videos and I was like, uh-huh. Did you have that same energy when 343 laid off more people? Did you have that same energy when Joseph Staten left 343? Bonnie Ross left 343. No leadership change at all. Twenty-five contract workers get laid off, and it's like, oh my gosh, this is terrible. Three four three has a total leadership shakeup and a hundred people are laid off, and it's like, nah, that's that's fine. There's no worry here. They'll be that this'll help them get things back on track. What the frick are you talking about? All signs point to Halo being in really, really big trouble. No future for that game as far as Halo Infinite no future for Halo Infinite. Like whatsoever. And all that was hand waves when I tried to c- cover that. I was like get out of here. Oh. <sighs> Still sad that it didn't get renewed. I mean, I'm not dismissing how bummer how like how sad it is and how much of a bummer it is to have your contract basically early terminated at a company But there's industry-wide layoffs right now. Industry-wide. Embracer Group's doing it. Ubisoft's doing it. Uh, Epic just did it. Microsoft already did theirs earlier this year. They already did their round of layoffs. And Sony's sitting over here expanding their teams. Like, when these layoffs are happening, like, the developers under Sony are literally saying, oh, yeah, we're hiring. Yeah, yeah. You know, we're hiring. You used to literally see people leaving Activision to come over to Sony Studios. Like, come on. Like, 25 contract workers getting laid off is a bummer. It's not a sign of trouble. It's indicative of something else. It's indicative of factions two ain't happening. They have, when you put the game on ice and you lay off your, your QA department, basically, this, this game's not coming out. It isn't. if, if, If factions, if the factions that they've built, if it ever comes out, it's coming out in The Last of Us 3. That's what I would think. I'm not seeing the spin against Sony for layoffs. Most of the people I watch that cover the gaming industry in general criticize all companies when you have layoffs and what they would be doing instead of laying those people off. Yeah, but laying off 25 people that were likely assigned to quality assurance on a game mode or a game that you're no longer doing, that's just, what do you what are you supposed to do with them? Have them show up to work and not do anything and sit around? Like the one guy in Silicon Valley when he was working at that one place, they just hung out on the roof and like drank beers and ate food? Like, <laughs> how many people that matter are using a measly 25 layoffs to throw in Sony's face? I saw multiple threads and videos saying there yeah, looks, looks like things aren't too good over there. Sony's in trouble. And it's like, "What? what are we talking about here? You know, I, I appreciate people covering everything. That's why I covered it. I was like, well, I don't think the layoffs are that big of a deal. I think factions getting put on ice is a much bigger deal. I think it's a much bigger deal because I think it's more important to go to Naughty Dog and say, hey, update the community. Hey, what what's going on with this project? Instead of like going to them and being like, why are you laying people off? Oh my gosh, are they, what's going on with the company? What's going on at Sony? It's like, that, that's 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 not at all what the, what the story is. The story is, if you just put this game on ice, if this game is indefinitely suspended, then you need to update the public. There needs to be a statement. There needs to be a press release. Cristiano Souza jumps back in as a member plus. Thank you so much. I hadn't thought of it that way. I hope they can pivot to what they want to do and more importantly, that they can feel they have agency going forward. There's more at stake than factions too. And that's why I kept zooming out on it. I was like, yeah, the 25 layoffs, that's not really the story. The story is factions 2 seems to be indefinitely suspended. And then zoom out another layer. Is Jim Ryan's vision for live service even going to happen? Homie's Homie's gone in 6 months. Was he the one driving it? You know, is 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 the next person in line, whether it's the there's a woman that people think might be might be perfect for the job. There's Herman Holst uh, there's a guy that might be perfect for the job. There's a variety of people who might be perfect for the job. Are they going to get in the seat and say, yeah, the live service thing needs to be scaled back. It needs to be scaled back. We need one or two hits. We don't need 10. This 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 throw 10 live service games at the wall thing, we're not doing that. Now, Schreier says in his Bloomberg article that some of the studios were uncomfortable with this pivot. He doesn't substantiate that. He just says it. I'm like, okay, well, Who? And why it seemed like logical presumption. He didn't really seem to say, I have spoken with developers off the record that have indicated they were uncomfortable with this pivot. He didn't say that he just sort of generically stated it and then doesn't substantiate it. And the only reason I hold him to that is because that's not typically how he writes articles. Typically, if he's going to say something, he says, I spoke to this many employees anonymously off the record on the record whatever i spoke to this many people and this is what they're saying he didn't do that this time he just like yeah some of the studios were uncomfortable did did you hear that you didn't say that you heard that you're just stating it it's like okay did you speak to people at the company do you have people willing to speak to you anonymously like is this a substantive thing that you've heard or is this just conjecture is this just presumption Saint Nil with five months, and it's a VIP. Five months already. Hope all is well. Thank you so much, Saint Nil. You can throw two out and both fail, but if you throw 10 out, and then those two might hit. I found his use of the word insiders interesting. He doesn't say sources at Sony or employees. Insiders could be people not at the company. Yeah, insiders are worried about the lack of of coherent vision. What do you mean? You don't even work there. What do you mean you're worried about the lack of a coherent vision? You're an insider. You're not a you're not a developer, you're not a studio head. You're you're an insider. So, I guess the question would be are all the insiders hearing whispers of concern or confusion or are people, you know, are people expressing frustrations with the pivot to live service? And so all of the insiders are saying, yeah, this is concerning. You see what I'm saying? There was no, usually when he's reporting on something like that, he does. He says, I've spoken to employees. I've spoken to people. I have sources. I have people. I, you know, and this that's that's not what he did this time. Like when he wrote his article about The Last of Us Factions in May, or he wrote his article about Anthem, it's written in a way where you know he has concrete information. That is not at all what this sounded like. He basically wrote an article saying that people are celebrating Jim Ryan leaving. And he's like, there are Consumers that are celebrating this because they don't like his push to live service, and then he's like, "Developers aren't comfortable with the pivot, and insiders are worried about the lack of coherent vision." It's like this kind of feels like a hit piece, like a passive hit piece. Like, "Yay, Jim Ryan's gone, live service bad." I'm gonna weave together vague statements to make it seem like Sony Studios are glad he's gone, and it's like, "But you didn't, you didn't cite any." You didn't say that you spoke to any. You're speaking generically. It's all, it, it just felt very strange. The framing felt strange. His one framing, the strangest framing of all, is when he said that Bungie has yet to turn Sony into a live service machine or a live service factory. And I was like, what do you mean they have yet to done that? They've been there for a little over a year. That's not enough time to do anything, and according to internal documents, we know there was a ramp-up period, there was like six months where Bungie wasn't even doing anything with respect to live service games, so as soon as they step into the role, they look at factions and they say, no why do they look at factions first? I think factions time to market was the closest, I think it was the closest game at hand that was going to be live service and Bungie walks in the room and says this thing's not going to last kill it so to frame it as if like yep Bungie, Bungie hasn't turned sony into a live service factory i'm like how are they supposed to do that what in six months time once they ramp up and they go through the onboarding process and now they're in a position to start overseeing live service games they didn't wave their live service magic wand and in six months we've got a bunch of live service games like the framing was weird it felt like it felt like a hit piece it was like He's anti-live service. He connects live service to Jim Ryan. Jim Ryan's leaving, so he writes an article to be like, yeah, nobody wants live service. Consumers don't want live service. The devs don't like it. Insiders are worried about it. So, yeah, good riddance, Jim Ryan. Like, that's how it felt as I was reading it. It's like, the, the fruit of the labor coming from Bungie being bought we won't see for a couple of years anybody with any good sense of development timelines would know that they're not going to walk in the room sprinkle live service dust on a bunch of games and be like here you go sony that's not how it works sorry but sony does not lose they've never had any problems ever i love sony oh they certainly have had problems what are you talking about They've had plenty of issues and problems this gen. They had production line problems. They didn't protect consumers from scalpers buying the PlayStation 5. They had issues with statements made about free upgrades on Horizon Forbidden West that they weren't going to honor, and then they ended up honoring. They've made plenty of missteps this, this time around. What are you talking about? Dave1D with Nine Months. Good evening, awesome people. What's good, Dave? Yeah, their portables have never really landed, so everybody's doubting whether or not the PlayStation portal will work, you know? Yeah, and the idea that consumers don't love live service is hilarious to me because if you look at the top games on Steam, Counter-Strike, Dota, Apex, PUBG, Naraka, Blade Point, top five games are all live service. Now, Cyberpunk's not. Baldur's Gate 3 is not, okay? Okay. But the top five games on Steam are all live service. They're all ongoing games. Didn't PlayStation just get hacked too? No, that hasn't been confirmed. There was a ransomware group that claimed they got 6,000 files. They got 6,000 files and some Java stuff, or I don't know, and they were threatening, and nothing has come of it. Now, everybody ran with that story again. Oh no, Sony got hacked again, better go with alarmist, false framing videos and articles, but you ignore the 68 terabyte leak of personal information at Microsoft. I didn't report on either, because I didn't think either story was that interesting, but the Bungie hack hasn't, I'm sorry, the Sony hack hasn't even been confirmed. A ransomware group claimed they got some stuff. Microsoft, like, accidentally, on their own, leaked 68 terabytes of personal information. But, but, oh, no, Sony. Oh, oh no, Sony. Naughty Dog lays off 25 contract workers, you know, in the wake of Epic laying off 1,000, in the wake of 343 laying off 100 people and having leadership leave. And what do we do? We do, oh, no, Sony. It, the, the, the the disingenuous obfuscation of facts is just, it's ridiculous. Like, it's just, it's tiring. You know what I mean? I, I would imagine that people get tired of false framing and misleading people. It just, it's got to be absolutely tiring. Like, I'll report on both. I'll sit here and tell you that the worst part about this is you had one of your biggest pieces of property and one of your best studios working on something that's not going to come out. That's terrible, right? We don't, we, don't, we don't want to see that. You want these first-party studios working on what they do best and pivoting the live service? I'm telling you right now, you're going to really, really potentially throw away a lot of bandwidth and a lot of money. They've got to figure out how to integrate live service with these pieces of property without taking away from a company like Naughty Dog. Like, think about what Naughty Dog could have been doing all this time instead of piddling away with factions. They could have been working on something else. That's the conversation. The conversation is like, "Oh my gosh, twenty-five layoffs or something." Wrong, there's something wrong over at Sony. Sixty-eight terabyte was likely just to cut content from Halo. They don't get tired; they get joy out of it. I don't know, man, being dishonest is exhausting. I don't know. You got to maintain, you got to maintain fog and falsehood. I just it's just easier just to talk about all of it in frank and honest ways. It just is so much easier. So much easier. And that's why I think that Jim Ryan's live service push Jim Ryan's live service push is not going to go away. That, I think that's the mistake here is to look at this as like, well, this is an indication that Sony's in trouble and they fired Jim Ryan. He's gone and they don't want to do live service. like, no, I don't think that's at all the read here. I think the read is this is going to be really freaking hard. You're not going to get your 10 live service games by the end of 2026. You're going to get three and one or two of them will make it. You'll get three or four. You're going to get a fraction of what they've set their sights on. The hack wasn't even Sony. It was PlayStation that got hacked. And why they merged the everything with Sony. I'm not sure what you're saying. Apparently working on something else. They have an Uncharted game spinoff and a new IP in the works. Well, somebody else is working on the Uncharted game. Somebody else is. Naughty Dog's not working on it. And it's going to be Cassie Drake's game. So they've handed that to somebody else. It could be, it could be Bend, but isn't Bend working on a multiplayer game and they're using like the map and the technology from days gone in the game. It wouldn't be Bend. Bend would be a good fit for an Uncharted game, but I don't think it's them. I think Bungie forced Naughty Dog to change the game completely and Naughty Dog didn't want to deal with it. Um, I think the the, the most simplistic read of it, you know, if you're going to apply Occam's Razor here, I think the most simplistic read of the situation is that it wasn't built to last because that's what we've heard and that is the most likely struggle that any studio is going to struggle with I've always said this for years I have said this people are always like what do you think about this live service game what do you think about this live service game and you know what I always say I always say the same thing I know you can create a a fun content loop I know that you can do that you can build worlds enemies guns weapons I know that most developers can build a good content loop. I've always said the question is not what will I be doing in the game? The question is what will I be doing long-term in the game? Elasticity and longevity is always what I've harped on. I'm like, if they can't nail that, then pack it up and go home. You're just going to launch a game that won't be here in six months. Every time I've looked at these live sh- these live service games, you know, uh, project LLL and the first descendant and people want to know what I think. I'm like, it looks cool. What's the con? What's the, what is the ongoing content model? What's the ongoing content model? What What am I doing in the third month? What am I doing in the sixth month? What am I doing in the 12th month? Do you have a vision for that? And I'm telling you right now, most developers don't even think in those terms. They're like, What? We built a cool game mode. Won't people be wanting to play this in three months? No. No. You need a hook. You need something to bring them back. You need a way to create rhythmic engagement. Have you thought about that? How do you foster rhythmic engagement? What are you you doing? So... It just it just stands to conventional wisdom in the market. It just stands to conventional reason in the market. It's like this is extremely common that game companies don't think through they don't think through these things. They don't think through longevity. They don't think through elasticity. What they think through is, well, we built a game. Isn't that what we're supposed to do? We built a game. We built a mode. No. That that you gotta do more than that. Think about the institutional knowledge at the average developer right now what's the institutional knowledge going to surround itself on what audio design world design weapon design boss design right Uh, quest design story all of the institutional knowledge is essentially things that have been done and things that have been going on for the last 20 years like Zubair always says, every game is just Super Mario Brothers in a different realm. That every every game is that. Every game is building on the institutional knowledge of level design, enemy design, antagonist, protagonist. Like all those things, all that institutional knowledge. So you're walking into a room of people that have been building skyscrapers for 20 years and you and you're asking them How are you gonna take this skyscraper up into space and they're like what we don't do that we build skyscrapers yeah 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 but where are you gonna put the rockets how's it gonna how's it gonna fly they're like what do you fly what do you mean fly we built a building and the live service guys are like yeah that's not enough it's gotta fly so Bungie's come into the room and they're like, listen, for nine years, we haven't just built buildings, we built buildings that can fly, and we've had a couple crashes, and we've had a couple real bad situations, but we've learned, and this is how you do it. This is how you maintain rhythmic engagement over a 12-month period. This is, how the, you, this is how you foster player incentivization in an environment where the new incentivization undercuts the previous incentivization because you're always putting them essentially on a lateral hamster wheel of moving to something else. So you're undercutting the previous thing that they chased. So you're basically telling them to chase a carrot and then six months later, you're telling them to chase another carrot and that carrot has to be better than the carrot they chased last time, therefore undercutting what they did last time. So you don't want to devalue their investment, but you're trying to foster more investment and that's a tightrope. That's what Bungie's helping with. Like, what I just broke down for you is one of the single greatest challenges of a live service game. How do you foster engagement? Well, you create player incentivization. You create content loops and dopamine hits and you get people to do something because then it feels rewarding and then they're going to do it again. Okay, great. What are you giving them? Well, you're giving them these things right here and they, they, they all, they pile up, they stack up and they get to celebrate. They're like, here's my character. Here's my stuff. And you're like, okay, what are they going to do in the six months? Oh, they're going to go get more stuff oh, well, but then that's going to mean the stuff they've already got's not as valuable, right? you got to kind of devalue the stuff over here to get them to chase the new stuff. Doesn't that create sort of like an endemic sense of futility because now the things they chase devalue the things they once chase, and then they sort of know instinctively that the new thing they're chasing will be devalued eventually because they've got to chase something again and, again and again and again and again and again and again. And if you can't solve that psychological conundrum, then your live service game is dead in the water. So when people are like, I can't believe Bungie did this. And it's like, Bungie has solved one of the greatest inquiries of our time. How to keep players in a game for years. How? How do you do it? You're not just solving a mechanical problem. You're solving a a, a psychological problem. You're you're not just solving a, well, how much content do we need to make? How many levels? How many worlds? How many guns? How big does a loot table need to be? No, 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 no. You're asking mechanical questions. You have to ask psychological questions. And if you aren't equipped to do that, the average developer isn't going to have answers to any of those questions. All they're going to have answers for is, This is how many levels we can build. This is how many enemies we can build. This is how many guns. This is how much we can build. And it's like, well, now hang on a minute. Those are all mechanical questions. Those are all mechanical answers. You're answering a psychological question with a mechanical answer. And that doesn't work. That's just like a like a, a teeny microscopic rant view into why this is such a difficult thing to solve. Did you watch the video? Destiny two is in a video game; it's an addiction. That's uh, the model every studio needs to have. It's not surprising that people have determined there's addictive properties to Destiny because they had a behavioral brain scientist help them with the creation of the game. They, they I think his name was John Hobson. Somebody needs to research that. I like I, I'm so surprised that's never been fully looked into. They had a guy who was like... He had like a PhD in behavioral brain science. Basically like, all right, How do we tickle their brain enough to keep them coming back? Don't tickle their brain too much... Because they'll burn out. And don't tickle their brain too little... Because they'll leave. You gotta do it just enough... To keep them coming back. And then if they go too long without coming back... Get the itch. Like, somebody figured that out. And it wasn't some guy that knows how to build levels it was a guy who specialized in the human brain they did that for Destiny 1 Destiny 1 um hang on Guys, we are going to be going to a premiere in 30 minutes. And this we haven't missed this goal since like November of last year. Help us keep the streak. Give some members. Let's get it going. Let's pay it forward so people can come with us. Every 25, I give five. We had a huge day yesterday. We, we hit the 25 today. I'll give five more. We'll get more people into the fold. Um, Call of Duty games until unfill until 2027. Debrief. There we go. Uh, Call of Duty. Where's the game I want? There we go. Modern Warfare 2. There is a John Hobson with a PhD who writes about game design. I forget where I read it. I forget where I saw it. That man was involved in at the, at the ground level at Bungie when they were designing Destiny. He was involved at the ground level. That's why that game ticks the way that it does. This video talks about that guy that they hired. Ask reacted to the video as well. Oh, so they mentioned that guy in that video. I've been saying that for years. I've been trying to draw people's attention to that for years. I'm like, I, I don't think you understand destiny doesn't just work because like the guns feel good destiny works because they know how your brain works like a lab rat right they studied you they they studied humans and they're like well this is what humans react to this is what's going to keep people in and coming back and that's why people are like well Bungie, why would you get Bungie?" With Bungie? Stupid Bungie! Why would you bring Bungie into the picture? Because Bungie knows how your brain works. And if you want a game like The Last of Us Factions to make it out of the third month, you're going to need their expertise. Because without their expertise, guess what you got? You got a game mode. Congratulations. You did something that other people have done for literally the last 20 years. You think... Like, do you really think that you can create novelty in that space? I heard Lono talking about this back in the day with King's Fall Carries. Yeah, we talked about it back then. Like, do you really think you can create novelty in the run around and shoot at other people multiplayer space? You think you can do it? There's nothing new under the sun. This is not a good thing. Why are you justifying it? Where have I justified it? I'm simply telling you how it is. Where have I justified it? This is the way it works. They're a business. Like they're a business. They're not going to sit idly by and launch a game without properly researching the longevity of it and seeing if it'll actually work. Are you kidding me? I'm just telling you how it is. I'm not telling you this is I'm not I'm not creating imperatives. I'm not creating justification. I'm saying This all makes perfectly good sense. Guys, at the very least, let's hit 300 likes today. We peaked at like almost 600 viewers. If you're lurking and listening and enjoying, that's a free way to support the video. Make sure you do that as a daily ritual. It helps us out. If you enjoy this show on the daily, do those things that help us do what we do. They have clear incentives that do not align with your health. They're in the money business. Eugene says, why is it bad? Yeah, I mean, you realize that like every product in existence does this, right? They do market research. They look into like the psychology behind what color will you react to the strongest on a logo, on a billboard, on an advertisement, on a commercial. This isn't like new. Bungie's not, like, clever and thought, you No, know we should do? We should consult with a psychologist. It's been going on since the dawn of psychology. Uh, research the history of marketing, and when they shifted away from descriptive informational marketing to feelings-oriented marketing. Like, look into that. Just, you know, watch a documentary on it, find an article on it, and just look at the history of how psychology as a soft science how it impacted just marketing in and of itself getting you to buy something it's no longer this is a marker this marker has green ink in it this is a dry erase marker and can be used on a dry erase board and then you can erase it it's this marker is going to make you feel great you're going to be cooler than the guy next to you with the red marker this 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 marker will add to your status they use psychological trigger words. They try to get you to think that this marker is going to change your world and change your reality. Whether through ease, comfort, convenience. Ease, comfort, convenience, um, status. They're going to get you to buy this marker because without this marker, you're less complete. So every, every, like every company is doing this. This isn't like a new concept. It's not, it's not a new concept, isn't? So I, I don't feel like Bungie's doing something like unethical or wrong by saying, "Well, we want people to play our game. We'd like them to play it more. The more they play it, the, you know, the more money we make, the more solvent our business is, the longer we get to stay open, the more people we can hire, the more people we can pay." You know, think of the think of the the amount of jobs and the amount of people that have made a living because that game's been around for nine years. It doesn't exist on a binary, like, well, because they do this, is automatically wrong. It's automatically bad. Like, really? A successful business model that's employed people for almost a decade? It, that's Why is that wrong? I buy something because it's good, not because I was manipulated. I mean, I think if you think you're that awake and you never buy anything because you've been manipulated into thinking it's good until you find out all the research that has gone into how to set up a grocery store yeah like there's literal psychological studies into how grocery stores are laid out to maximize your time in the store and how much money you spend Hmm. there's a reason most fast food restaurants use red in their logo this is a new this is not a new concept it's not. Guys, in twenty-three minutes, we're gonna go to a premiere about Call of Duty, its release schedule. Uh, we've got we've got a couple of things in the video that I think are very, very important. I make predictions about MW3. Before we do that, let's make sure and hit the twenty-five member goal. Let's make sure and roll over the light count. I'm 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 a little confused. I wonder if we're on a runner today. The viewership's been higher than everything else. Everything's out of proportion. Chat rates not lined up. Like ratio's not lining up, and this isn't lining up. I'm not sure if they put us on that front page thing today, so we have a lot of like that, like that passive rotator viewership. But let's try to let's try to do those things before we leave this stream. Let's try to let's try to push all those buttons because um, this has been an unusual day. I think YouTube's experimenting with rotator placement and i think it's making the viewership higher than it actually is i don't think as many people actually landed in chat today all those grab small grabable items right next to the checkout are there by accident right right all that all that stuff all the impulse buy stuff at the end all the candy all the gum all of that hula tech gifts a member he says come on y'all we haven't missed this goal we have not missed this goal in almost an entire year this was the community's idea. We did this, we started doing this in November of last year. This was not my idea. This was y'all's idea. They're like, let's do this thing where you get five every 25. I was like, okay, let's try it. Let's see how it goes. YouTube backend is a mess today. It's super weird. It's all it seems all wrong. It's like we had like 575 viewers earlier, and like the chat was moving like we were having like a, a low day. I was like, I don't I'm not sure what's going on. I don't think that the, we were actually at that view count. Another gifted member from Zubair. He lays it up. Five, a 20 bomb. We'll send it home. Um. The, the layout is just a small part of it. You have no idea. That Boise Bear finally gifted. He gifts a lot. He gift yesterday. He gifted yesterday. He gifts a lot. He gifts on a regular business. Uh, regular business. On a regular basis. It's insane how much effort went into it. Rob V gifts a member. There we go. Let's single do it. Let's single gift it all the way. Single gift it all the way to 25. There we go. Thank you so much, Rob V. I quit drinking coffee since I've seen animal shelter ads. Um, really? Subtext of the 10 spot says, I'm late, but my challenge with the faction story is whether it was a bad game or not. The initial report was about long-term viability. It will suck if it was a fun game killed by, another, by other factors. Kenneth, Kenneth jumps in and gifts a member. He says, okay, I'll do one. I'll match. He says, I'll match what Zubair does. He matches what Zubair does. And and, and Zubair says, are you Abe's alt? Yeah. <laughs> Giving Zubair crap. Thank you for the $10 super chat subtext. Um, I, I think here here's the challenge with your position subtext. Here's the challenge with your position. Can it be a good game? If it's designed to be live service and doesn't last. Are we watching the Diablo 4 live stream in members? No. I don't care what they do with that game. <laughs> last couple times I covered their live streams, it we, we absolutely tanked. Because no one gives a frick. Everybody's mad. I don't have any interest in covering that game. anymore. DK Beggar with a gifted member. Thank you so much. I've grown a little tired. I've grown it's it's become a loathsome thing for me to invest a lot of coverage and research and energy into a game that craps the bed. It's gotten a little tiring, right? Halo Infinite? No. New World? No. Lost Ark? No. Diablo 4? No. Tell you what. I'm done. <laughs> I'll tell you what, I'm done. I'm done trying to find a game like that, right? No game's worthy of that kind of investment when we've been burned that many times. Kel Swiss comes in with a gifted member. Thank you so much. Like, I like video games. I like covering video games. I don't like giving a game a bunch of airtime and then it falls flat on its face. Like, how many games are going to do this? Bennett Moore, gu- 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 I can't talk, comes back in on a VIP, and Eric Chobdra. Gifts five members. Thank you very much. He is the the first five bomb of the day. Thank you very much, Eric. You need a new job then? Oh, no, I don't. I'm not doing that ever again. I don't care what the frick the game is. I'd rather the game surprise us. Like, if a game like that comes out and surprises us and it takes off and it's awesome, cool, let's start covering it. But I don't, I'm done doing all this groundwork, all this legwork, all this research, and they're like, here's the game, boom, and it falls on its face. It's like, no, I'm not doing that again. <laughs> Halo, New World, Lost Ark, Diablo, you know, let's 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 go one more round and see what happens. I'll tell you the truth. I'll tell you the truth. I, th- I think the problem is, is people want people are rushing games to market because they want live service to work. That's what's going on. Now, I don't necessarily know if, like, Lost Ark was rushed or if Diablo was rushed. Oh, Kyle Wilkerson ups the ante. He says, I'll see your five bomb and I'll raise you a ten bomb. So generous. Thank you, sir. Taking us all the way to 24. You're the best with all the dead live service projects does anyone really know what the secret is to live service even Bungie has only done it once in a genre they know I don't know if genre determines it though and they're not the only one They're not the only one. Final Fantasy XIV, Elder Scrolls Online, Eight Years of Diablo III, a single gifted from DK Beggar. He takes us to 25, and then the Agents of Chaos comes in. 26 from Rabbit rolls the gifted membership total over. We haven't missed it in almost an entire year, and you guys kept the streak alive. I will give five members when we go to the premiere. Thank you guys very, very much for doing that. And another one from Saul. Thank you so much for gifted a member. Taking us to 27. Another one from Mark Rivas. I appreciate that very, very much. Uh, There we go. Diablo Dark Matter, how are you? Was there concern with Lost Ark being rushed? I mean, rushed isn't the right word for Lost Ark and Diablo 4, but I definitely feel that there are a lot of games that they're trying to get to market first with live service. They're like, well, if we can get out there first, we can do it. We can be the one. You kind of saw that. There was like a gold rush with Battle Royale games. There was like a gold rush where... They... Dr. Disrespect Studio shows gameplay of combat racing game. They're doing another game, really. Midnight Ride. Hmm. But I, I think that like, everybody was trying to get a Battle Royale game to market. That everybody's trying to get a looter shooter to market. Everybody's trying to get a live service game to market. Like Everybody's trying to do it. And I think the difficulty is... You're, you're seeing why the games don't last. You're seeing why they don't have legs or longevity because they're just trying to get to market first. I still believe that somebody is building the next great looter shooter. Somebody's going to take the crown from Bungie. Nobody's, nobody is king forever. It was H1. Then it was PUBG. Then it was Fortnite. Nobody's king forever. Save one. Nobody's king forever. So I don't think they're the last game in town. I think somebody's building one right now. I think other people are trying to rush. Like, we want to be the next big looter shooter. And they're rushing and they're failing. I don't know who's going to build it. I don't know if it's going to be Project LLL. I don't know if it's going to be First Descendant. I think the real challenge with those games is art style. They look generic. I think there's this weird Unreal Engine Valley of they go for photorealism and they go for like cool looking characters and cool guns and it doesn't stand out with respect to art style. So it looks generic. Like Project LLL and then you look at First Descendant and you're like, so similar. I think you need better art style. You need something to look like, yeah, like I think a Borderlands, a really, really well built long tail Borderlands online Like an MMO, I think could be amazing. Why? Borderlands has an art style. You know exactly what you're looking at. like, that's Borderlands. And I think that's something that needs to be iterated on. I think developers have to start thinking about their art style. Because we've gotten so close to, like, every game just being able to utilize great lighting, great shading, great textures, photorealistic environments and characters and models. And so you end up with just a bunch of generic-looking environments. Oh, here's some buildings... Here's some enemies. Here's some. Uh, here's some guns. Here's some. Here's some uh, abilities that you can pop, and uh, yeah, go have fun. You're like, well, this kind of looks like the last game that I was looking at. You know, is the next evolution for li- for games, or is live service the final form? I don't think live service is the final form. I think live service is, is live service is an undercurrent beneath everything that comes out in the future. right I think live service is an undercurrent kind of like what what Todd Howard said right he, he says he feels like everything that comes out is an RPG, everything has XP, everything has leveling okay well everything seems to be leaning towards live service, battle pass ongoing like every single game seems to be leaning toward that. even if it's not as apparent, or evident as like a game like destiny it'll be more understated a game will come out and then a couple months later they release something or a couple months later they do something it'll be a little bit more understated they'll have they'll start experimenting and dabbling that's why i think some companies need to consider releasing their game in early access because like let's just take first ascended as an example with their betas I would say once they feel like they have enough information, they need to release an early access version of the game and let the community help shape it. And then in two or three years, you're going to have a well-built game. You can have your 1.0 launch, your 1.0 moment, and you have this fully orbed package that the community has essentially helped symbiotically build. Yeah, or like a live service undercurrent that's not as strong or not as stated like in GT7. It's a live service game, but it doesn't feel like a Fortnite. It doesn't feel like a Warzone. zone. just feels more understated. I think live service will be an undercurrent in the market for the foreseeable future because budgets are just too big. They have to have revenue currents that are ongoing. They do. I think it's unavoidable unless you want to pay $150 for a video game. That's a whole other topic. That's a whole other topic. Guys, in 10 minutes we're going to be going to a premiere. I really am confused here. We need 13 more likes. Lurkers, y'all got to help me today. I we're, we've we've stayed so steady today, too. We have stayed so steady. Such great turnout. Well, we got to smash that like button. We got to have at least a, uh, a a semi good good like ratio. You got to. Or YouTube will smack you. They'll say, "Hey, say what'd you do your video must suck and I'll be like we had a great conversation my video didn't suck and YouTube will say it does suck and then I'll have to cry also there's never need to engage with live service you could have bought the game on launch put a hundred hours in it and been done I mean so that's almost like a hybrid model so can you build a hybrid model live service game where you say Okay, you don't have to engage with the ongoing content, but the ongoing content is there for the people that want it. And then I think like a Borderlands could work really, really well for that. Oops, I forgot. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I don't know what was going on. Usually when I call for it, we steamroll it. I'm like, hey guys, let's hit the next milestone. And we're like, and we fly past it. I usually only say something like on the hour. I'm like, yeah, it's been an hour. Oh, we're at the two hour mark and we're totally fine. Today I wasn't sure what was going on. The other day people couldn't even click it. So I wasn't sure if that's what was going on. Somebody told me the other day, they're like, I can't even click the button. And we had zero likes. It was really weird. It was uh it was during a members only stream. Which likes don't matter in a members only stream but they're like I can't even push the button I was like I don't know they're messing with the UI again my videos the other day when I went to search they were like side by side instead of vertically stacked has that happened to anybody else I literally went to search uh, for a video on YouTube and instead of doing a vertical stack it did like a side by side stack I was like what the frick is going on and then I refresh and it fixed it I don't know what's happening I think they're trying to roll out some new things for the UI and like channel pages, and I think it's messing with stuff. Even the chat's different now. I can like click on each individual chat message, and I have more options than I used to. Um, no one wants to see Lono cry. That's from Adam's Eyes only. That's right. A big thank you to whomever gifted me a membership. Yo, good to see you, Fat Lump. I can't cover it this month. You've been around a long time, Fat Lump. That's why I love the fact that we have so many gifted members every single month we still have not gotten feed a membership i don't know how that's even possible he's been here so much since he lost his account so he had to switch accounts so that mark miller in chat that's feed that's uh he he's (laughs) dope shirt thank you your videos were changing sizes Somebody today, people were saying they got ads during my monologue. I was like, I'm not running any ads. I, you shouldn't be getting ads during the monologue. My homepage loads different the last couple of days. The video boxes load in a small formation and then changes. Yeah, I don't know what they're doing. Maybe that's why the like count's weird today. Maybe people were pushing it and it wasn't counting or something. I don't know. Yo, my man, Wooly with five months. Brother, I quit Twitter. Will Defo, keep enjoying your content. Let me know you find out. Uh, about Fristrom, I mean I'll do what I can Wooly, I don't even know how I would get into touch with him I mean I I've, I've, obviously I could tweet about it and say does anybody know how to get in touch with this guy so we could ask him if he worked with Insomniac he might not be able to say he might not be able to say he might be under NDA you know what I mean we got one for feed at least once in the same day yeah he was on his old account though he no longer has that account he no longer has the uh, the feed account. He's on like a personal account, so he almost has to like recharge the loyalty metric or something weird. It's like I'm not I'm not sure what the issue is. Virilla says hello, Lono. Long time no see. Hey, how are you? Did you have a different username in the past? I I, I don't recognize your username, Bill, Virilis? Please don't put the idea of a Borderlands MMO in my head. I'll get rid of all my responsibilities. Yeah, I think what Eugene was talking about is is a good possibility. You build like a hybrid where you could just play. Imagine a Borderlands 4 where you can play through the base game and just enjoy it and then put it down. But then there's this long tail MMO arching expanding experience after the fact. Do you know what I'm saying? I, th- I think there's something to that. Like, then you don't feel like you have to do, like like he said, like with Gran Turismo 7, you don't have to. You don't have to. You But you can if you want. If you want the ongoing content, if you want the ongoing format, if you want a live service Gran Turismo 7, you're good. You are good i think maybe the tr- maybe that's the trouble and maybe that's the challenge is everybody's trying to launch a game with live service and what they end up doing is is they launch something that's like half baked because the live service elements corrupt the format of the content they corrupt the the delivery of the content CPU Warwall says nice pog nice pog what what happened it's pointless engaging with people trying to boost their social score yeah blue is uh, blue is pretty much going to ruin that platform from where I sit just reward bad faith bad faith impression farming I see journalists doing it they like they intentionally say something that they know is going to make everybody angry and and it's like it's so disingenuous you know the whole thing like you intentionally say something that you know is going to tick people off and you know get a bunch of clicks I hate it like even people getting community notes now is good for their bottom line right they'll say something <clears throat> they'll get corrected everybody will get really angry it'll get a community note everybody celebrates that it got a community note and then it makes more makes more money dishonesty misinformation bad takes that's the best way to make money on that platform seriously they're incentivizing obfuscation dishonesty bias slants misinformation misleading that's that they're incentivizing it because if you get a community note on your tweet it, it like the impression rate skyrockets so the inmates are going to run the asylum in short order In in short order. It's not going to take long. Okay. I owe you guys five members. I'm going to do it during this premiere. So, what I'm going to talk about in this premiere is I'm going to make predictions about Modern Warfare 3 and what I think they're actually doing to achieve a cadence of games. I believe Call of Duty is returning to an annual release release cadence and I believe the way they're going to do it is going to be terrible so I have a video about that and they apparently have games build out till 2027 I even have a theory of what the game will be next year and I think my theory is pretty solid given how much they got out of the Modern Warfare reboot where they rebooted with Modern Warfare and then Modern Warfare 2 and now Modern Warfare 3 I'm pretty confident that I know what they're going to do next year. So I also theorize about that. And that is where we are going to go. Now, do me a favor. Smash a like button on this video. We could probably easily get 70 more likes on this video. I'm not sure what happened today. Likes were really light. It could have been YouTube acting up. Do the same thing when we go over to this premiere. Smash that like button. Always remember to circle back on a talk show or a premiere and leave a comment because you guys talk like crazy during the live show, which is amazing. But then this becomes a normal video. So if you ever really enjoyed a conversation and you want your input or your comment more canonized on the video, come back and leave a comment on the live stream. Do the same thing with the premieres. Always consider the fact that like we watch them live together together. And then you can circle back and leave uh, and leave a comment. Oh, Rillis, did you tell me who you are? Long time no see. No, I swear you had a different username. All right, I'll see you guys over there in the premiere. I'm gonna click the link in chat and use that to head over or ride the redirect and smash like once you guys get over there. And uh, I'll see you in the chat over there. We're gonna we're gonna give some members, and then when that video is over, we're gonna go to members.